and he retired so that I can use him for more stuff up here. And so, <laughs> yeah, anyway, um, that was a blessing. In, uh, in kid church and in peewee church, they had close to 80 uh, today, and so praise the Lord for that. And just, it's just a blessing, and I hope that you're thankful for it, and sure are grateful for it, excited about the, excited about the baptisms tonight, and just looking forward to all of that. Um, so I, I appreciate uh, the mention about Andrew and I being home, and it is always, it is always good to be back home, and whenever we are away or have opportunity to be away, whether it's personal or ministry, whatever's going on. I'm always so thankful to be able to come home and thankful that we get to be a part of this church family. It's such a, such a blessing. Twice a year, Andrea and I try to attend uh, what is referred to as a GIBF uh, fellowship. And uh, it's just meetings at different churches where pastors come and they host pastors or assistant pastors or missionaries whoever would be involved in ministry in that way, and it's just a time for preaching and fellowship is, is all that it is. And so we try to go to those because I need to hear preaching too. And, and you can say, well, pastor, why don't, you listen to a, why don't you listen to some preaching online? Okay, yeah, I mean, it's there, but there's something valuable about sitting there and just being able to hear it and, and having it directed at me. And, it, and it's just a tremendous encouragement. And several of you have asked how it went, and so um, we, Andrea and I did have a bigger trip planned to celebrate our 20th anniversary in January than I did what I do uh, since I've turned 40, apparently. I'm just very brittle, and so we had to, we've had to push that back, and we'll, we'll make that up at some point whenever we get that on, the, on our calendar. We'll let you know at the appropriate time. But I still wanted to give her a few days. And so we went, we went to South Carolina where the meeting was at and just had a few days. And then we went to the GIBF. And so just, to, just I wanted to share a few things with you about it. First of all, the personal time was everything that we needed it to be. Um, we, have to, we have to work on our marriage. We need to be refreshed. And I love, I love my kids. I love our church family. But it's really good for us to be able to just have time devoted to one another. And so... I just, I can't tell you how good, how good this was for us. Just for me personally, and to be able to have the time with my wife, it just so, so very helpful to us individually. And so I appreciate, uh, I'm thankful for that. And then, and then ministerially, God dealt with me. And then in talking to Anne, God dealt with her. God just used the preaching to challenge us in some very helpful ways. And uh, there were, there's some things that I've been wrestling with, and, it, and not, not bad, just, you know, stressing about direction for the church. And, uh, you know, I've made this statement, seek God and he'll guide you. And I'm just, man, I'm just stressed, stressing. And a pastor stood up and said, read your Bible. Do you need to know what to do about a building? <laughs> he doesn't even know me. I'm sitting over here. It's like, do you not know what to do about a building situation right now? Read your Bible. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And so God talks to your pastor, too, because I'm just another one of his sheep. And, and I, was, I was so thankful for that. And then something else I wanted, I wanted to share with you, and this was, this was pretty neat, and, and I'm thankful for it. 
Um, I've, Andrew and I have been, have been in the ministry uh, for 15 years. I started pastoring when I was 25. And so we've, we've been at this for a, for a decade and a half. And I understand it's not as long as some, but we have started to accumulate some years at this. And something happened at this meeting that I just, it wasn't on my radar. I was not at all prepared for it. But we were we were introduced to, this happened more than once, but there was a, partic- a, a specific couple. Their first names are Chris and Nikki, and they have, I think, three small children. And he is, he's in his, I believe he's in his late 20s, maybe early 30s. He's a graduate from Pensacola Christian College. He's trying to revive, basically restart a church in North Carolina. And currently the church runs around 35 people and they've just been facing some challenges. He works a full-time job, so he's, he's married, works full-time job, trying to get this work go, or get this work restarted, running about 35 people and just, just feeling a lot of weight and facing some, some challenges. And uh, I, I met him and then we were able to sit down at the church and just have lunch. And it was, it was really neat how God used some of our, our experiences. And notice I'm using the word experience and not expertise. Because, and I don't view myself as an expert in anything. But just the experiences that we've had in ministry and the way that God has worked on our behalf and the way that God has worked in us. And hopefully, over the course of a decade and a half, you've learned some things. You've learned some things about ministry. You've learned some things about success and failure and struggle and all of that. And we were able to significantly, just, just for a little bit, and then hopefully more down the road, we were able to invest in them. And uh, just uh, some, some conversations happened, and, and I was able to, to encourage him and say, hey, down the road, we can... You know, if the Lord allows, we can be a help to you and want to be, want to be an encouragement to you. So I, I was expecting that the t- personal time would be refreshing. I was expecting that the ministry time would be refreshing. But what I was totally surprised by is that God would use Andrea and I to encourage other people in ministry and to be, and to be a help to them. And so I'm, I'm saying this simply to tell you, thank you for allowing me from time to time to get away because God uses that time. And, uh, and for the personal and the ministry time, man, we, I know you know this. I'm not, I do not feel like at all I'm battling this at all. So I'm not saying it because of that. I just I want to keep it in front of you when it arises. We need, we need what we had this past week or so. So thank you for support. Thank you, Brother Dave. Thank you for allowing us to do it without feeling like we're failing somebody. I have, there are many, and I have been in situations where for you to get away, you felt like you're letting a bunch of people down. And a fresher pastor is a better pastor. And so thank you for not applying pressure to us where we feel like we're letting people down when we need to get away and invest in those things. I appreciate it more than I can tell you. And I'm trying not to get all weepy up here about it. I'm just, I'm thankful for it because I know how it can be and is in, in many other circumstances. But then thank you for sharing us. You have seen how other pastors have been a blessing to us. And, 
and God knows my heart, I'm saying this in humility again. I did not expect this to happen. I was completely surprised by it and convicted by it just because it wasn't on my radar and I need to, be, I need to try to be an encouragement to other pastors when I have opportunity to. But it's a blessing to a church if God can use your pastor to encourage other pastors. And if God has used other pastors to encourage us, it is an extension of your ministry if he can use your pastor and his wife to be an encouragement to other ministries and places. And so just thanks for sharing us in that way and putting us and allowing us to be in a position where that can be useful. I hope all of that makes sense. I really just wanted to, to share that with you. I was, I was so encouraged. The last, the last thing is this. Um, we had opportunity to attend a church uh, on Sunday in, in a good church, good church. Like there are good churches in South Carolina. <laughs> yeah, there are. There are good churches. God has his people in different places. But as I talk, Andrea and I show up and <laughs> I, look, you'll have to, I was trying, on that Sunday, you can like this or not, I frankly, this part I don't care about, I was trying to hide on that day. And so I did not wear a tie. Or a suit. <laughs> no, I told, I, and this is what I got convicted by because I didn't, I, honestly, I didn't go there with the mindset I want to go to encourage somebody. I just, I'm just feeling pressure. I just want to hide and I just want to be there. But then we get in there and I can't help myself. I start singing and then I start saying amen. And because I don't look like a pastor, someone walks up to me and they're like, are you from this area? <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you. No, we're not. Um, our home, our people are in Idaho, and we're actually we're actually a pastor there, and just just passing through, and just and and just wanted to spend some time with y'all today. Great church, just going through some struggles, and I have seen this over and over and over and over and over again, and I'm not going to stop saying this. What we have going on here is not common. I'm not saying there aren't other good churches. I'm just telling you that the blessing of God and the energy of his people and the love that you have for him and for one another and the excitement and the buzz that is in this place, it is not typical. It ought to be typical. Because God is the same everywhere. And I don't, I'm not pretending to have the answer. I Someone asked me how it's going, and, and I tried to be honest. You know, there's a lot of difficult stories at meetings like this, and I'm just kind of sheepish. I'm like, I start smirking, you know, like a kid that just caught eating a bunch of candy. I'm like, it's really good. You know, our people have struggles. We have, we have battles like everybody else, but, but stuff is just happening that I can't begin to explain, and someone asked me this. <laughs> What's your strategy? <laughs> what, what is it? What's your technique? What is it that you're doing? And I said, honestly, bro, I don't have a strategy. I'm excited about God. And I'm excited about people. So I try to preach the word and trust that it's going to do what God says it's going to do. And I try to help people be excited about God. 
and be excited about people and, and stuff's just happening and it's a credit to the Lord and it's a credit to the church family that I get to be a part of. That's my answer. And this isn't the first time I've been asked that. And I'm not, I'm not some kind of expert on anything. I'm just, I pinch myself that I get to be a part of this. But my concern is, and I'm, I'm going to say this again in the message in just a few minutes, but that we get so used to this that we take it for granted. Because look, on a Sunday night, you're tired. And here's the truth. You come to a place like this over and over again, it's easy to not be as excited about it as it was the first few months that you attended. The newness wears off. The newness wears off of a car. The newness wears off of a job. The newness can wear off in marriage. The newness can wear off in friendship. The newness can just wear off in a lot of things. And you have to work to keep it fresh. Same thing can happen with the church that God allows us to be a part of. It's a good place to be. And the danger is that we start thinking, man, if it's happening here, like, well, we should just assume it's happening everywhere. No, God is working everywhere. I don't understand all the reasons why, but we're getting to enjoy something that is somewhat unique and special right here, and we need to value it. We need, we need to value it, and we need to work at continuing to maintain it. And I'm, look, Satan's trying to fight against it. There are battles that are going on, but we, just, we need to be grateful. And so thank you for letting Andrea and I go, and thank you for the kind of church family you are. I, Andrea can give testimony to this. Whenever we are out, and primarily it's for ministry, but whether it's ministry or personally, Andrea can tell you, I brag about the church family I, that I get to be a part of. Y'all are a blessing to me. You are a blessing to me. I love you. I'm thankful for you. And it's pretty cool getting to be a part of all of this. And I hope you ask God to help you stay excited about it. So I did this I did this a couple of times ago when I came back from one of these conferences. I, I have determined that if there is a message or something that speaks to me, I want to take the Sunday night service immediately following that conference. And I want to share it with you. I, I worked on tonight's message while I was gone in Luke, in Luke chapter 4, already the, the message, I could have preached the message tonight, but just really inclined to preach this. And so I'm going to preach a thought. I, I don't have the guy's notes. I didn't take notes of my own. I was just hearing it. He gave an idea. And I'm going to take you to the text. I'm going to tell you the guy's name in a minute. But it was a tremendous challenge to me. It was convicting. And I want to share it with you tonight and just hopes to encourage you. We're going to be in the book of Matthew, book of Matthew. John Waterloo, pastor, Central Baptist Church in Ponca City, Oklahoma. He, he was one of my professors at Heartland and taught a class of hermeneutics about how to study the scripture and God, God, has, God used him as my professor. Now God has used him as a friend. A tremendous encouragement to me. And, and he, preached, he preached this idea. Again, I, just, I, got his, I got the overall idea. And I want to give credit to him for that. But I, then I just, as I was going through this text, I just asked the Holy, trust God to help me and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and try to be consistent with the Word of God. So I want to share uh, what he talked uh, to us about with you tonight. So Matthew chapter 10, let's go ahead and stand 
Matthew chapter 10, verse number 11. Jesus, in the first part of the chapter, is sending out the apostles to go and minister to specifically target the nation of Israel. We understand today we have an obligation to our community, to our state, to our nation, and then on to our world. And so he's sending them into the work of the ministry. He's sending them into the process of reaching people. And he says in verse number 11, And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. And when ye come into an house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. You first read that text and you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to deal with some people that reject me. All right, so here, here's the thought. Shake it off. Shake it off. Father, thank you for letting us be at church tonight. And thank you for people that having the opportunity and the ability, they make the decision to be here. And God, I know they, they love you. They love one another. They love your word. They love your work. And we are grateful to be a part, Lord. We all are grateful to be a part of this. So would you please speak to us tonight? Help us to be responsive to you. Help us to consider where this needs to affect us and how we should be responsive to it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. So as I mentioned, Jesus sending his apostles out to do ministry, and ministry is this. Ministry is going to reach people. You may have a different role in it. Uh, some will be pastors, many will be lay people, some will be youth workers, some will be nursery workers, some will teach uh, elementary Sunday school classes, some will teach adult Sunday school classes, some will be greeters, some will be safety, some will clean buildings, some will pass out bulletins, some will be limited physically and they can, they can be here and they can pray and they can give. But whatever it is, ministry, all of that is about honoring the Lord and about reaching people. The goal is to reach people. That's the goal, to reach people. The goal is not to see who has the biggest church. The goal is not to see how we can impress anybody. The goal is not to experience 15% growth one year and then 20% growth another year and to have all of these projections about how amazing our projections are looking. No, the goal is this. It's to reach people who need the help and the hope of Jesus Christ. That's the goal, is to reach people. Now, we aren't the apostles, but we still have the same responsibility. In fact, Jesus took the work of the apostles, and he broadened it to the work of his church when he said in Matthew, in Mark, in Acts, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You ready? Go reach people. 
go reach people in that first church that was started in Jerusalem and go out. And then today, some 2,000 years later, you need to be continuing the work of reaching people. So every child of God needs to be involved in reaching people for Jesus Christ. Regardless of where you're at, regardless of where you're at in your health, regardless of where you're at in your finances, regardless of where you're at with your abilities, regardless of where you're at with your roles or opportunities, whether you're a teenager, whether you're in college, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're old, whether you're young, it doesn't matter where you're at. If you're a child of God, you need to be active. Active. Not, hey, one time I did that thing. No, you need to be active on a regular basis in helping to reach people for Jesus Christ. Can I just praise the Lord for the nursery workers? Glory, man. It's okay when occasionally we have a newborn or something in here. That's okay. Nobody needs to get nervous and anxious. Oh, no. Man, for a little while, babies are with moms, and we get that, understand that. And then we have places for mamas to take their babies, so that's not a disruption. But can you imagine 19 babies being in here? <laughs> there is no point to preaching at that moment. <laughs> Might as well just live stream the babies up here being adorable, and let's like make some money on YouTube and give it to missions or something like that. Oh, you know what you're doing when you're in the nursery watching a baby that could, as adorable as they are, could distract someone from concentrating on a message that they need to hear? You know what you're doing, ladies? You're helping reach people. I understand 19 babies. That's 19 mouths that can slobber. That's 19 diapers that need to be changed. That's 19 little hands that are going to make massive messes all over the place that you then have to clean up because of my demanding, overbearing wife that's going to make sure you get that nursery clean. No, okay, okay, yeah, laugh. I understand that it can be stressful. I understand that it can be challenging. But by being in the nursery, you are helping to reach people. Looking at Miss Megan and Miss Holly and their faithfulness in teaching in our elementary classes. And I saw some video today of Brother Jacob Youngblood in kid church leading singing and getting the kids amped up to sing about Jesus Christ. And I see ushers and I see greeters and I, I see Miss Sandy King being here tonight. And, and as hard as it is to get around, just being involved and I'm going to give and I'm going to pray and I'm going to be as much of a part as I possibly can. And this is what I say to every one of God's children. You are obligated to be involved in reaching people. You need to be in it somehow. And not just occasionally and not just sporadically. There are people at your work that need to know Jesus. There are people in your neighborhood that need to know Jesus. There are people on your kids' little league teams or on their high school teams that need to know Jesus. There are people in your schools that need to know Jesus. There are people at your work that need to know Jesus. Wherever we go, there are people that need Jesus, and you need to be in it. I like it. It's fun. It's exciting. You know, it's a pretty cool work to be involved in. And I'm not involved in it because I'm a pastor. I'm involved in it because I'm a child of God. We're equally involved in it. Not the same way, not the same role. But I'm in the ranks with you, brothers and sisters. We are just trying to reach people for Jesus Christ. 
I like it. Now, as you are going about the process of trying to reach people, there are two possible responses. Here's, let me give you the good response first. They get it. They like it. And they get on board with it. And it's wonderful. People get saved. It's great. <laughs> and then they get baptized. It's great. And then they get involved in the life of a church. You meet someone who's been saved, but they're hurting. You find someone who's been saved for a long time. Maybe even they were involved in ministry at one time, but they made some bad decisions or they've gone through some really difficult seasons of life and they're hurting and their soul's in anguish and they're facing challenges and, and they just need someone to minister to them. They need someone to love them. They need someone to reach out to them. And, and you see these people and you have an opportunity to go to them and to get down in the mess with them, not, not to participate in the mess with them, but to help them know that they're not alone, and you're willing to go where they are, and you're willing to get down into the ditches that they've sometimes fallen into, and you're willing to take hold of them and let them take hold of you in a figurative sense, and then by the grace of God, help them out of that, and help them be established in the faith of Jesus Christ, and to continue living and to follow him. It's amazing when that happens, and it does happen. Oh, it is happening. It's happening Weekly, God is helping people. God is confronting people. And people are responding to it in a positive way. It's wonderful. It'd be awesome if that's all ministry was. If every teenager responded perfectly every time the Feavis or the Wicklands challenged them on something. If every time a message confronted a heart or a problem, there were tears at the altar, and we go home changed. <laughs> it would be wonderful if every time I witnessed to someone, they got saved. Oh, it would be. It would be great. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. Not everybody's excited about what God wants to do in their life. <laughs> so people don't always receive it. In verse number 11, it said, inquire, who in it is worthy, and when you come into a house, salute it, and if the house be worthy, meaning if they respond to the message of the gospel with faith, if they are obviously responding to God's work, then, then let your peace be upon it. But whosoever, in verse 14, shall not receive you. The second response is this, they reject you. Not everybody gets saved. And not everybody enjoys truth that confronts an attitude problem. <laughs> not every teenager humbles themselves and says, yeah, I need to submit and be right with God. Not every marriage problem gets resolved, again, because it takes two people to resolve a marriage problem. No, we need more than that. It takes two people to resolve a marriage problem. And not every marriage problem can be resolved because in some marriages, not every spouse is equally invested in resolving those problems. Look, I'm going to go ahead and park this for just a moment and jump on to, you can say it's a hobby horse, it's not. I'm just trying to affect people's thinking. We had some people that, that visited so, several years ago, or a couple of years ago, and preaching messages about restoration and grace. I got a very long email, and I know by experience, when guests email me long emails with semi-passive-aggressive questions, 
this really isn't going to be worth the time to respond. But God convicted me. And so I went ahead and responded. And the, cha- and the question was made, what is your opinion on divorce? Are you ready for my opinion on divorce? I hate it. That bothers anybody. You just, you need to relax. I hate it. You know why? Because it's painful and it's not what God intended. It hurts people. I don't like it. And if you're serious about the word of God and you're serious about loving people, you won't like it either. But can I tell you another reality? Sometimes it happens. And there are godly men and godly women who did everything that they possibly could. But it wasn't enough. Not because of them, but because it takes two people to make a marriage work. And we are not going to be a church where people in such a situation get labeled and kind of cast to the side and pushed off into this corner and now we're going to look at them differently. That is not of God either. No, we're okay with the grace of God when we have a bad temper. We're okay with the grace of God when we're trying to overcome our own struggles. But no, we can't have grace for other people when they go through their struggles. That is hypocritical. But not every marriage is going to be fixed. Not every teen is going to respond the right way. Man, Brother Fiavi, Brother Robbie, Mrs. Marcella, Ms. Rothen, sometimes you're going to pour yourselves into the lives of some of these kids. And it is going to, it is going to end up puncturing your heart and your soul in ways that you didn't know were possible. No, you know that's the case. I'm not saying your kids. I'm saying you minister to people you're going to get hurt. In the process of trying to reach people, you are going to feel stuff that hurts. Trying to be a witness, trying to serve in a church. This is ridiculous, but it's true. Pastors can hurt other pastors. I had a situation one time, you would know nothing about this, where there was an issue that I was trying to deal with And I handled myself ethically in every way. I know I did. But I had a pastor get in my face and say, I am going to fight you. It's not the first time I've been confronted. Here's here's kind of my response. And he wasn't necessarily implying physical violence, although he was pretty fired up at the moment. I've been confronted before with people who wanted to beat me up, and this is what I, this is what I say. What does that prove about you if you beat up a 5'8 guy? <laughs> Congratulations. I, you going to feel better about yourself? I mean, you take a swing at me, you hit me, hit me you lay me out on the floor. What, is, what, is that, what does that prove? What does that accomplish? What, what does that help? I remember one time working in a VBS when I was like 23, and this teenager, he's around 6'2", 6'3", coming from difficult circumstances, and man, he got in my face. And I said, congratulations, you can beat me up. What does that help? And yet that happens. It can happen with pastors. It can happen a pastor hurting his people. 
It can happen people hurting their pastor. It can happen with brothers and sisters hurting one another. It can happen within a church. Not everyone is going to respond to the work of the ministry the way that they ought to. But the Lord in his providence and his sovereignty tells his people then and tells his people now how to deal with it. Are you ready? Shake off the dust of your feet as a witness against them. He said in verse number 14, if they don't receive you, you, you shake off the dust of your feet. You go back and you study the, the symbolism of this. It was a testimony that we've done what we're supposed to do and we're moving on. Now you read this, you read verse 15 and this is what we like. Verily I say unto you it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Okay, let me ask you a question. How to go for Sodom and Gomorrah? Not well. Jesus is saying it's going to be worse <laughs> for people in the day of judgment. And so we could think this attitude, yeah, that's right. Man, one of these, man, where's, where's a pile kid? And there's Ashland. Man, and Theavai's just pouring their life into you. The Wicklands just pouring their life into you. And you just have a rotten attitude. Just going to shake it off. And God's going to get you. Up here preaching the word of God and laboring and praying and seeking God. And you just get a hard heart and you fold your arms and you pout and you fume and you grind your teeth. And you basically knock out a tooth during the service. You're so frustrated. And you can't, you don't appreciate anything. It's going to get off. God's going to deal with you. And y'all start doing it to one another. Oh, so you want to be like that. Oh, so you want to say that. You didn't respond to my text when I thought it was appropriate. You hurt my feelings. No, feelings can really be hurt sometimes. My, my feelings were hurt. I'm just, Lord, I'm not doing it on the outside, but on the inside, I'm just reaching across that aisle, and I'm just shaking the dust off on those people. Get them, Lord. Can I ask you a question? Is that the spirit of Christ at all? No. Not at all. When our kids, we, we started this when we were young. I don't remember where we learned it, but when our kids were young and we've continued it, all, just about all of them have had experiences with this. Kids get hurt. They're going to fall. They're going to bang their heads on something. They're going to scrape their knee on something. Uh, a helpful parenting tip, every time your kids get hurt, you don't need to run to them to pick them up. They need to learn how to, they need to, learn how to get up and calm themselves down. And you have, to, you have to still your own soul and say, okay, I need to make sure nothing's majorly wrong here, but I need to let them get up and then talk them through how to calm themselves down. No, kids need that. And so we started this. I don't remember, I remember, I don't, remember where I learned it, but we've, we've tried to consistently practice it. The most recent one has been Jason. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, bud. Most recent one has been Jaron. You fall. <gasps> there's blood. Like a pin drop or something like that. As long as there's no blood, he's okay. There's blood. <gasps> okay, Jaron, calm down. Jaron, you need to shake it off. And we, lit, we taught them to do this. I want you to shake it off. Start walking. Walk it off. 
shake it off. You know what they start doing? They start shaking. The pain doesn't go away, but this is what they learn. This doesn't have to control me. There's still more life to be lived. There's still more opportunities to play. There's still a bike to be ridden. There's still a game to play. There's still a ball to play with. There's still a hill to be conquered. There's still a game to be won. I can't get so hung up on this injury that I'm just consumed with it. I need to learn how to shake it off. Well, it's really important for God's people to learn how to shake it off. I do not like this. I do not like it at all, but it's a reality. In ministry, if you're serious about reaching people, you're going to get hurt. I don't like it. I wish it weren't so, but it is. It can happen in small ways. It can happen in big ways. It can happen intentionally, and it can happen unintentionally. I have experienced both, and I have sadly been the cause of both. You serve the Lord, you're going to feel pain. Not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody's going to want it. But let, can I give you, I'm almost done. Can I give you some tips about how to shake it off? Real quick. Number one, remember that Jesus did the most for people and was hurt the worst by people. I'm not, I'm not saying that your pain isn't real. But just remember that Jesus did more for people than anyone else ever, ever. No, he paid for sin. He made redemption possible. On a lesser note, he raised the dead, he healed the sick, he gave the blind their sight back, he made the lame to walk, he healed lepers, he fed hundreds of thousands of people. We're only recorded, a, have recorded a smidgen of what Jesus did. John said it this way, if everything Jesus did was recorded or written down, heaven itself could not, or the earth itself could not contain the scrolls that it would take to record the good deeds that he did. In three and a half years, he did more for people than has ever been done by the rest of the human race combined, and yet people treated him the worst. So like, I don't, this isn't fair. Yeah, it's, it's not fair. But Jesus did the most, and he felt the worst. And you and I, we should not expect any differently from than having to live and experience what our Savior did. Number two, remember that you have probably caused pain to someone that was trying to minister to you at some point. Thank you, Mr. Young, for laughing at that. I appreciate it. <laughs> Sometimes we, we get so worked up and offended by something, and, and, and it's not that it hurts that's the problem. It's that we begin to act like we've never caused any pain to anybody in our lives. No, I've seriously been convicted of this recently. Someone pulls out in front of me, and it's like, you are a wicked sinner. It's like the Holy Spirit convicts me. How many times have you pulled out in front of people? More than once. And most of the time, not by accident. <laughs> Occasionally accident, but sometimes just because I could. And so that they'd know, you're not the only one on this road. Hit your brakes. <laughs> it's not a good attitude to have. No. Oh, so you've got to remember, you, a brother or a sister hurts you. You're wounded. You feel some pain. Remember that you've probably caused pain to someone that was trying to minister to you. Number three, remember that God will deal with people. 
So you don't need to waste your time worrying about it. No, are there situations that need to be dealt with in a, in a, in a confrontational way? Yeah, Matthew, Matthew 18 or 19 details how we're supposed to do that. You go to a brother that's offended or that, you've, that's, that has offended you and you talk to them and then you take witnesses and then you, and you deal with it that way. But you deal with it ethically. You deal with it the right way. But many times, you know what happens? We, we turn molehills into mountains. And, in, and instead of just understanding, man, God, you're going to deal with this, and so I'm going to ask you to help me get over myself, help me to deal with the pain, help me to deal with the disappointment, help me to keep my focus on what is, on what is the most important, and help me to keep serving you. We get stuck into these, uh, these, these efforts to take vengeance and to get even and to make people feel how we feel. Can I ask you? What I say to the guy who wants to beat me up, what is that, what is that gonna do? What is that gonna help? Who is that gonna reach? Who is that, how is that going to improve the life of this church? How's it going to improve our reach into this community? How about you remember this? God knows. God sees it all. And he's going to deal with it one day. Last thing. Remember there's someone else to reach. <laughs> I was... <laughs> Andrew and I were sitting in a, in a couple's home one time. And, he, and this guy looked at me, had no basis for it, but he looked at me and said this. I think I was 27, 28. He said, you're just a dictator. Just a dictator. That kind of stuff, when you know before the Lord that you are pouring your life into trying to reach people, just trying to help people, I've never claimed to be perfect, but I also know what I'm not. That, man, to someone that's young and new, that just hurts. You're a dictator, we're leaving, we're out. Other people are going with them. Just you, you're a dictator. It just hurts. This is what I'm thankful for. Learned it from my dad. Learned it from others. Mainly, I've learned it from Jesus Christ. Man, those moments really stink. But there's other people. <laughs> I'm not saying those people don't matter. I'm saying if they make up their mind about me and about God and about his church, I can't change that. But there's other people that are going to respond. I seriously doubt that I will ever, in significantly great detail, go through all of the things that we experienced in previous years. But I have seen people go through hardships in ministry and they became resentful and bitter. You know what I'm thankful God helped me to remember? That there's another chapter to come. There were times when I doubted it. 
There were times when I thought my life, my ability to minister to people is just a waste. I don't know that God's going to be able to do anything with me. But because I just trusted him, I get to be a part of this with you. I didn't see it then. I see it now. There's more people out there. <laughs> some of you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be respectful. I, some of you have come. You came to West Valley hurting, wondering if there's anything else out there where you can grow and you can serve and you can be helped. And when you came, you had your guard up and you were afraid. And you were skeptical, not because you had a bad attitude, just because of how much pain you've experienced. But you know what happened? You realized there's other people out there. Every church isn't like the situations you might have come from or been hurt in. No, go ahead and say amen to this. It's true. Can I encourage, can I encourage you? Every teen is not going to respond the right way, but there's other teens Brother Fiavai, Ms. Rothana, there's other teens. I wish we got every single one. I wish we did. You, we don't. Nobody bats a thousand. But there's other teens. I wish, man, I wish everybody came on the bus that we visit. I wish every kid that we get to minister to responds and receives the gospel. I wish every counseling I did turns out the certain way. It doesn't. There's still people to minister to. So what do you do? Shake it off. God, this hurts. I'm hurting. I'm hurting. But I have no reason to be bitter. So can you help me move on? Can you help me serve you? This would be worth it. When in the process of reaching people, you get stung. And you will. You will. Shake it off. Humble yourself before the Lord. Let him give you his grace and keep moving forward. Helped me. More than I can tell you, it helped me. If we are not careful as a church, we will let stings accumulate and we will not shake them off in a church that doesn't learn how to shake things off the right way, we'll end up becoming fractured, fragmented, broken. A life that doesn't learn how to shake things off will end up becoming handicapped for God, limited because of things you aren't willing to let go and move on into. In the process, you will be stung. Let's deal with it, let's confront it, but then let's move on. Shake it off. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Can I ask you to be honest? I, I try to be transparent as, as your pastor. Can I ask you to be transparent with me for just a moment? Nobody looking around, but just, just be honest. How many of you would say in the process of ministering to people, I have, I have been stung I feel it. Would you raise your hand? I just, I've been stung. Hurt. 
You can put your hands down. How many of you would say that right now I'm dealing with something? I'm not asking you what it is, just that I'm dealing with something that stings, that hurts. I'm just before the Lord, I'm dealing with it. Raise your hand. I see it. I see it. Going up all over the place. Maybe you're watching online and you say, yep, I've been there. Can I ask you this question? How many of you would say, again, every head bowed, every eye closed, I should be the only one looking around right now. I am having trouble shaking this off. Yep, I see it. I see, yep, I see him. I see him. I've been there too. Brother, sister, I've been there too. God's not done working in your life. God's not done working through your life. God's not, God's not finished. But you can limit what he does, not because his ability is limited, but because you, you are hanging on to things. Look, I, I said this this morning. I made this statement this morning. I don't know when it stops hurting. But I have learned that I can continue living and serving and loving even when I'm feeling pain. And some of you, you need, you need to come to this altar tonight. You need to say, God, I am, I am struggling to shake this. Would you help me to shake it? Would you help me to remember your suffering? Would you help me to remember that I'm not perfect? Would you help me to remember that you'll deal with this? And would you help me to remember that there are people that you want to use in my life and that you want to use my life to reach? Would you help me to shake this off? And teenager, you might need to shake some things off. Husband or wife, you might need to shake some things off, man. So many marriages can become combustible because we just don't shake things off like we need to. And maybe some husbands and wives need to pray together. Maybe some church members need to pray together. Look, don't wait to stand up. Just if you need to shake it off, just get up and get down here. I'm waiting for other people to do something. You do what you need to do. Some are already coming. Don't wait. Just come. Just need to, just need to shake this off. <laughs>